Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Laundry. Wishing you guys a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays from us at the Real Triathlon Podcast because this will be our last episode before Christmas. Boys, boys, how was your week last week? Well, well mine sucked. So let's talk about your guys' weeks because I was locked down as yeah. per forever. You were just <laughs> released out of quarantine one day ago. That's true. Yep. I officially can't have any illness in the entire world because I haven't even moved so that's nice but i had a great time watching virtually you guys post about your awesome running accomplishments so the first one that happened was two weeks ago a solo epic marathon by nick and he freaking crushed it and i want to hear about it so tell us about that whole thing there nikolai absolutely i'm actually super happy that i was able to just muster the old don't give a f button and just slam it real hard on that wednesday um yeah so me and an athlete i coach and he's also a really good friend his name's his name's joe uh, we I, we always do epic stuff together and we just don't think twice about it so we're like i think we should run a marathon before the year's over i i tapped out of ironman florida in kind of terrible fashion so i'd like to erase that from my memory and put a good spin on my finale so we decided to do in saint george utah there's like a bike path that cuts through the center of town and it's actually from where we started to the point we absolutely had to turn around was like exactly 13.1 so it worked out pretty spot on and it was like probably a gain of 400 feet on the way out and on the way back we had that you know we lost of elevation, but I was literally looking forward to that on the way back, but then it didn't help. Um, I was pretty wrecked. <laughs> so I went out at 558 pace, um, minute mile, and I held that as long as I could. And I think I held that for at least seven, 16 or 17 miles. And then the old legs started, the old, I think the IT band developed about a basketball size knot in it. It was not, not firing off very well. So at that point, you're like, all right, left leg, pick up the uh, slack, and you just try to slap her and punch her and wake her up. Didn't happen. Um, So I I think I probably – I'm really happy about that, but, like, I was on pace for probably 2.35 for the the whole thing until the last four miles when I absolutely hit a wall. But I will say I did it on no water. (laughs) It was was 30 degrees, 30 degrees and finished at 45 didn't do it on any water all i did was take i had breakfast obviously like three hours out and then i had 10 perfect aminos then i took a like a little bit of an infinite flask um i had a couple sips of that and that was basically it i probably took in about 35 grams of carbs for the whole (laughs) race it was uh i don't know how i did it uh, like that but then i took i had one aid station threw a bunch of clothing at her and then took 10 more or five more aminos. I dropped five actually, cause I couldn't ingest them all. They were just all over the place. While I was running. But six Oh five average, uh, put me at two thirty nine. Uh, so I couldn't be more happy. So anyways, thanks for asking fellas and for giving me a shout out for my, nobody cares my own PR situation. And that is the most Nicholas chase thing I've ever heard. We do- <laughs> 
we decide to do stupid stuff and we don't think twice about it. <laughs> that was the best part. Like when we started, I was three minutes in and I was like, oh man, I guess I'm not going to be stopping for quite a while. I'm going to have to hold this pace that I started off with. I, let's just see how it goes. <laughs> it was like not a lot of pace planning or any really like give a F. It was just, let's have a rip. And then my buddy Joe, um, he said his, you know, he went 258, which was fantastic. He had done a 258, I think, in a very like a negative 3000 feet loss or whatever downhill marathon, which was, he said, was way more traumatic on his body. Obviously, imagine all that downhill pounding. Um, but yeah, he set a PR too. So it was awesome. Beauty. Nice, man. And it helps so much to have good conditions and good course that you planned out yourself and stuff. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But um, not nearly the speeds that our good fellow Garrick Lawn was running. Holy cow. What did you <laughs> don't talk about the time. What pace did you hold for that 13.1? That is a good question. Uh, I think it was about 327 per kilometer, whatever that converts into miles like 530 high 530 pace yeah or 326 is something like that i went 112 39 yeah it was jacksonville half marathon so if anybody knows that it is pancake flat oh. i think uh is there a bridge no and that they actually commercial it as not having a bridge in it <laughs> we don't have any bridges <laughs> There, there is a bridge, but it's not, there's no, it's just flat. There's no yeah. up or down. So that, that's something they commercial, which is funny. Uh, but it's the, it's like net down. It's a slight downhill, like a false flat for 10 K and then you kind of turn around and come back and then slate uphill, which yeah, I was fun, man. Um, I was just happy to get a race in. That was my only race of this year. <laughs> so I was like, you know what, man, I just, I got a race even when, Florida got canceled. I was like, I just got to do something. The Florida yeah. 70.3 got canceled. I was like, I just got to do something. Like, I can't do 2020 without racing. This yeah. is stupid. So, yeah, I found this race. I was going off. Unfortunately, I it was like racing by myself, just the way they had it start, staggered start. I did not run with anybody, which sucks. But you could see one guy for a while. Yeah. Yeah, there was one guy who was not pacing it very well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Blew up a 10k. Yeah, I think he went by me twice. <laughs> in the last, uh, would have been the last 10k, he went by me twice, and then I passed him in the last mile. Uh, and he he would put like a freaking 20 second gap on me, and then die. <laughs> then I'd take him back. Yeah. Uh, but he's because of the way the start the staggered start was, he still beat me by two seconds. Was it Taylor Reed? Just <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Love you, Taylor. Yeah. Uh, we know taylor would have run like a 109 so yeah. don't worry taylor yeah. <laughs> no it was awesome man it was exciting i i don't know i felt like i felt terrible just because i hadn't raced but i pretty sure that's the upper limit of where I, my fitness was at so it's good i mean you should I really can't complain with that you go um, 115 off the bike every time now right that's the theory yeah that's the theory I, you know what i think i'm gonna run a 112 in st george this year off the bike oh yeah yeah, yeah. off the bike Haley course it's just no problem sure. Elevation yeah. does not matter. No, not <laughs> at all. But yeah, boys, that's that. Uh, we have some big announcements coming next year, guys. So stay tuned to that. I'm just going to toss this in there. and We're not going to touch on it anymore. Uh, yeah. We're going to have a load of content coming. I was just working on it yesterday. Nick and Jack have been working on something else. The podcast is growing into more than just a podcast, guys. You're going to want to stay on this journey with us. Lifestyle. Uh, but, yeah really going to be a lifestyle and 
this group, guys, we're going to do something awesome coming up. So stay tuned for that. Join us on that journey. And who do we have today, speaking of awesome journeys? I think his name rhymes with Shmam Shlong. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. The infamous and the famous Sam Long coming on to the podcast, which is just fantastic because you think of a guy like Sam Long, and I don't think you could think of anyone who's got more like polarized opinions about him because a lot of people, most people really like him. And then some people just find him arrogant and don't like him at all. And this gives all those people a chance to really get to know Sam Long as he actually is um, not necessarily just in your, you know, 20 word Instagram recaps. And uh, it's an awesome interview. One of probably one of my favorites we've ever done. Um, yeah. Anything about Sam Long we should tell people, I guess, if they don't know him somehow. Well, I can tell you for sure that, and I know we've had discussions about, everyone's had discussions about, about Sam and he knows it and he's probably proud of it, but we've always been like, what is that guy? What is he thinking? Like, why is he calling out Lionel? Why is he calling out Cam Worth? Um, You know, but honestly, I think I've been so impressed with Sam because he delivers every single race. Like even at last year at Ironman Chattanooga, when he won his first full, um, I think we were probably 50 or 60 miles in, he just blows by us. And then he sets a bike course record. He goes to run his way to the podium. And then, you know, he's always been a little bit polarized with his training too. Like he was complaining about getting burnt out and his coach just killing him. And then he took a break, but then he went straight back to getting killed and it seems to be working for him. We're always like, Sam's going to have like a six year shelf life. And then he's going to be freaking in a full body cast because it's just training volume is so intense, but I don't know. I think his, his charisma, his attitude and what he brings to this sport is really important at this turning point in our triathlon, you know, careers with PTO taking over and trying to build characters and getting behind really good pros. So anyways, that's kind of my two cents on Sam and I've hung out with him personally. And I can tell you, like, he's just, he's a normal guy in person. He, he doesn't, he doesn't have that huge flair that you would expect. And he's super polite, respectful, and just a nice guy. So I'm really happy that he came on and agreed to talk with you guys. I couldn't make the, the interview, but really hope. I, I mean, I haven't listened to it yet either. I can't wait. <laughs> Hasn't yeah, even published, obviously. I'm just recording <laughs> <yeah>. it. <laughs> we're, we're actually recording this intro like two hours before we put it out. So, but we did record that yesterday. Nick couldn't join, but we do touch on uh, how he is a complete dick on Instagram or not a complete dick, how people think he's a dick on Instagram and how when you go into his YouTube, you kind of get a better sense for his overall personality and you understand more and you understand that, you know, he's actually quite funny and the stuff he says, the stuff he says on Instagram, there is a lot of sarcasm there and you know, he's a funny guy and he, he was fun to talk to. This is probably one of my favorite interviews that we've done this whole podcast, this whole year. So without further ado, boys, let's roll into it. We are here with Sam Long. Thanks so much for joining us, buddy. I have raced with you many times, chat with you at many races, but finally we got you on the podcast. So this is pretty awesome. Yeah, I guess I should say, yo, yo, yo. And, uh, it's so good to be on the Realish Triathlon podcast around. So uh, I'm excited to talk talk the real talk. Sweet, man. So yeah, we're really amped as well. We have, you know, 
you've really crushed it this year and you've gone from, you know, underdog and, you know, big talker who knew he was ready to perform with a lot of haters and you proved pretty much, I would say you performed as well as anybody would have expected at the higher end and probably better than most people uh, would have predicted myself included. I mean, I knew you're improving and I was terrified of you since last year at Chattanooga when uh, I wasn't able to run you down and you actually outran me. But um, do you like, I know there's no one secret, but what, what is it that you think um, has allowed you to continue to improve and like improve a lot from last year when you had already been improving every single year? Yeah. So I think it's sort of a factor of, of two things. And one, I think it's uh, just consistently putting the work in and, and training hard, but uh, actually this year, the, the difference was that I trained hard, but knew, where the limit was. So I knew when to actually rest while in the past I would train, I would train past the limit. So then I was more of a trainer than a racer. And this year uh, I knew kind of how to tone it down before a race so that I could actually perform better on race day than just a regular training day. Yeah. Well, we saw that for sure. I mean, you, uh, you really brought it, especially I would say the interesting thing I, for me was, um, you improved across the board, all three sports, but I think that at least the most noticeable improvement was potentially your bike, which is amazing. Cause you're already such a great cyclist. Um, but I guess it comes as no surprise because people will say that just mileage and mileage and cycling over years builds up. Um, but would you say like that your training mileage actually decreased a little bit on average from last year, since you do take that rest a little sooner, or would you think that you just rest before you're overtrained and then you actually maintain a higher average. Yeah. So, and, and this year's a bit weird, but actually this year, my mileage is my overall mileage is way higher than it was, uh, in 2019. Um, and I think that's probably just because without races all year, I was just putting in like tons and tons of base work. So the intensity was lower, but the volume was really high. And then when the races came, I would, I would decrease the, the workload going into races. So a bit of both. Um, it's also funny you say, because yeah, my bike improved the most this year, which was not what I was shooting for. I was actually mostly leaving my bike alone and just saying, Oh, let the bike stay steady and really improve the run and the swim. But it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, there's probably some saying, but it's like when you're chasing the golden egg too much, you never find the golden egg. And I was chasing <laughs> that in the swim and the run. And then I was just so relaxed about the bike that I think it just naturally sort of progressed. So I don't know if there's something for me to learn there. Um, yeah, just kind of looking at your performances from an outside perspective, what I saw based on the limited amount of racing that we had this year, it looked like you improved actually quite significantly on the run, but with the exception of maybe like one lap at the uh, PTO <laughs> champs, you, you really improved in like close in like that closing out of the run and like really securing the race there. Was that, was that by design? Yeah, I'd say absolutely. And, and Jackson can comment on this. I mean, I'm pretty sure when I would have raced you certainly at St. George and then at Chattanooga, like I'm, I'm guessing your thought process was more like, Oh, if, if I come off, a minute or two minutes behind Sam for 70.3, I think I can get him. And certainly if I come off with him on the bike, I'm really not worried. I, I'm guessing that was probably your mindset back then, but now I'm guessing the mindset would be more like, Oh, if, if Sam comes off the bike 
two minutes ahead of us for a 70.3, like forget about it probably. You know what I mean? Yeah. I probably wouldn't forget about it, but it, I probably should. <laughs> but, but that's, but yeah, you're totally right. And um, I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but going into 70.3 um, St. George last year, I actually, I didn't even think about you in the race before the race because two reasons. One with such a competitive field, I, I tend to not think about who's there as much because there's too many different scenarios that can play out. And you, I just don't look at each individual as much. Um, so that was part of it. But also I think every athlete has this, I at least hope in my mind, I'm like, okay, Sam hasn't beat me before. He's not going to beat me. He never does. He never will. And then you, until somebody at either beats you or is like right there and you're just like, Oh my God, like this is happening. You just never want to admit that someone else is improving faster than you. So at St. George, when it took me till, I think it was the last mile to run to finally pass you until then you weren't as much on my radar. And then you definitely were for Chattanooga and uh, you actually outran me there. So yeah, I, I would say um, I, I would have thought all y'all outrun Sam last year, but now it's like, I don't want him to have much of a lead on the, on the run at all, <laughs> yeah. which hasn't, which hasn't panned out for me. <laughs> right. But totally that, that battle at, well, actually at both St. George and Chattanooga, those were, two of the most memorable races. I mean, um, especially St. George, because it was like four of us all with like two miles to go. And it was just yeah. like, that was like the worst thing ever. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just stoked to, to keep racing you because I know uh, we're both going to keep bringing it. And, and that gets me really excited. Me too, man. I got to up my game again to, to get back in it. But, um, but yeah, so back to this year, I mean, you raced uh, a lot that for, for someone who, you know, for, for a COVID year, I tried to race quite a bit too. Um, obviously PTO champs, you ended up, it was ninth, right? Ninth. Yeah. Ninth. So that was a freaking crazy race. Um, just take us like, you know, I think everything played out as expected on the swim bike, I would say. And then on the run, like with a lap to go, nobody knows what's going to happen. Like tell take us through that last kind of lap. Like how did that play over you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so honestly, I kind of made a lot of, uh, a lot of mistakes there. And I think that's what really cost me that last lap, but it's kind of like, like you were saying, when you go, get to a really stacked field, like you really can't focus too much on all the competitors. I mean, at Daytona, if you were, you'd have to write out a list of like 45 people <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, I know. and be like, Oh, this is this person's strengths and weaknesses and try and play out scenarios. And it's like, there'd be, pretty much infinite scenarios. Um, and still I wouldn't have predicted the scenarios that happened of Matt Hansen running from four minutes back and sprinting past everybody, um, <laughs> which happened. But uh, so yeah, like the swim in the bike, more or less as expected. Um, swam basically, yeah, more or less as expected. And then on the run, like I decided not to put my, my stopwatch uh, in transition and I think I sort of bought into this mindset of like, oh, it's a short run. It's only 18K, um, which in retrospect was a bit costly because 18K is still pretty long ways. And it's, it's really only, I mean, 3K less than an, a 70.3 run. So it's like 10 minutes less than a 70.3 run, basically 12 minutes less. And, uh, and I, I was like, oh, to go with the ITU guys, I'll, I won't bring the stopwatch so that I'll really surge and and just be able to go with the surges and that this like flipped a switch in my mind that then 
said like, oh, you're going to be surging. And then I was the one actually surging. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And my physiology doesn't is much more suited to be steady and just consistent. And um, so because of that, like those surges started to add up, but also then like, I just got really excited and started like thinking too much about the different competitors and like, Oh, this person's doing this. And, and uh, especially with Rudy Vonberg, like I got so focused on racing with him that I then like lost some awareness of what the other athletes were doing. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I was just having trouble. Like I just really needed some Coke and with COVID now I've never poured into cups and it's just in like cans. And, and maybe this is just me, but in the race, I was like, how the hell am I going to grab a can of Coke running like 520 miles and like open it and take a sip? So I was like, oh, just skip the Coke and just like try and hang in there till the end. It's only three miles left. Um, but then in combination with those surges, obviously with how hard of a bike it was, like I just so needed some sugar. And so I just like I was feeling good, but then it just like I started to decline and started to decline and have a bit of like it didn't look like a hard bonk, but it really was a bit of a bonk. It's funny you say that, man. I feel like so many guys just completely forgot of like anything to do with nutrition because they're like, Oh, it's only an 18 K run. Like this will be fine. This is basically a sprint. And then nobody thought about it. Even like buddy who won the race there. (laughs) Eden, Gustav, Eden, he forgot he's like he was like oh yeah i remember to take a gel at the start of the run and then it kicked in and he didn't take anything for the rest of the run yeah and i I was like that seemed like a bit of a gamble uh but also the coke bottles i saw they laid them down like flat or the cans yeah Yeah. instead of like standing them up and you had to try and grab them and then usually in a race they're flat right where yeah exactly and poured into a cup so oh i mean it would have it would have been a bit of a disaster grabbing one because by I the time it. you grabbed it, you did. And did it explode did all over you? It pretty much – it doesn't explode, but, like, it definitely foams up and goes everywhere. And then you're basically drinking straight foam. So it's, like – it's almost like an absolute no-go if you're having any kind of, like, bloating at all or anything. But if you're, like, craving the sugar, I, I took it in the last – in the last two laps, I had, like, one sip each time. And even that, it's amazing how much that seems – it must be partly placebo because it's like, Oh, I'm just doing terrible. One sip. Oh my God. I feel amazing. And it's just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, totally. But yeah. I mean, it didn't help me cause I needed to make up like six minutes and I, you know, I didn't. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a different race going at that distance because I would agree with Garrick. A lot of guys under fueled or un- like didn't, estimated enough i would say if anything i overdid it because i'm like okay i'm gonna take just as many carbs per hour as a half it's fine like but you're still exerting a little bit higher so i should have taken a bit less and also racing three hours and whatever it was 15 like the 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 30 minutes less actually is significant in terms of like you have that much more storage so you don't need to top up as much which i mean it didn't affect me too much but i definitely was bloating a little bit at the start of the run and I didn't need to be, I could have just taken less, but this is, this is like, this is what, you know, is expected on this, this race because nobody knew the distance. Nobody knew the form, like the format was different. Uh, Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I probably went a little too far thinking like, Oh, it's 
practically an Olympic distance race. I barely need anything. And uh, I, I wish I would have gone maybe just like 10% less than what I would do for a 70.3. The other thing I think that was, that was probably really interesting for long course guys, at least for myself, was like with the 2 p.m. start, like I was lost for what to do like before the gun went off in terms of yeah. <laughs> I just had no idea like breakfast or lunch or or both and and when and what do I eat and because like I've got I think we all have it down to a science you know we're used to these like six seven a.m starts and up at three in the morning and it's like I sort of then was like oh I actually like that routine because I know there's like no no guesswork I get in exactly how much I need and really no more and no less and this was like yeah just hard to get right yeah yeah i think uh it's i think a lot of people overlook just like or overthink that like two o'clock start or like a later in the day start i know a lot when i a lot of my athletes when they race like worlds or something they usually have a later start because their waves go off and what i tell them is don't treat it any different than maybe when you have a later session in the day right like you train in the afternoon all the time and especially more so for age groupers who sometimes don't train in the morning but it's it's like you know, if your stomach can handle it, most times when you train in the, the evening or the early afternoon, you should be able to handle it on race day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I also just kind of like use the morning as like a, a holding period. I'm like, okay, I'll just eat my normal breakfast and kind of like keep calories topped up. And then I'll do, and then I'll like set my three hour before the race, just like I would for a morning race. And right. then I kind of just did it that way and it worked out fine for me, but, um, but, but yeah, enough, I mean, enough giving, uh, Sam some tips here. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> supposed to, you should eat a, uh, you should eat just about 15 Twinkies for breakfast. Just the fats are really good. Yeah, no McDonald's. I should, I should really go to McDonald's. For yeah. breakfast. Make sure you get the heavy sausage, the heavy on the sausage breakfast with sandwiches. Yeah. But no, I think what I did, I had, I actually did a good breakfast, but then I was like, and then I was going to do just, yeah, like, okay, three hours before, but then I was hungry and I was like, oh, I'm super hungry. I better keep eating. So then I like kept eating and kept eating and kept eating. <laughs> and then I think I was like a bit, just a bit, my stomach was just a bit bloated on the run. So it's like, I had like calories in there, but what I needed was like sugar. Like I needed quick sugar, not like whatever, a heavy yeah. stomach. For sure. So going into that race, we're going to move on after this, but going into this race, there was a lot of trash talking among the American boys. Oh, uh, yes. Maybe perhaps between like long course and short course guys. Is there anything you want to say? Guys. <laughs> uh, those, those fuckers. Let's not, let's, not, those... let's not make any mistake. Morgan Pearson called out Sam Long. And I'm saying it, you're not. So you're not getting in trouble. And he's like, oh, you're not going to be able to keep up. I run faster for a half marathon than you can for a mile. And then somebody dropped out on the bike. And somebody did not. Even run. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they, uh, I think they got what they deserved. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, yeah, all I said to them, I actually was giving them props. I think they're incredible athletes. And I just said, oh, I'm excited to race them. We know they'll swim faster. We know I'll bike faster. We'll see what happens on the run. And they took that as if I was absolutely insulting them. Um, <laughs> And I mean, anybody who's ever done a long course race knows that uh, it doesn't really matter how good of a runner you are uh, as a standalone runner, because the swim and the bike uh, 
affect it. And, and the swim also affects it. People don't think the swim affects it. The swim affects how you run as well. It's not just the bike. Um, and, and I was pretty sure, sh- I mean, they were thinking they were going to be running under five minute miles for this race. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you're out of your freaking mind. Like, it, it, unless it's that be like 56 minutes or something. Minutes. Yeah. Like, are you going to win by four minutes or something like either that, or if you're going to run under five, I know for you guys to do that, you're going to have to bike like two, two hours, hours and 10 minutes. So, <laughs> so I could care less how fast you run. Yeah. Anyway, True, but you do have to make it to the run to be able to run sub five too. Right. So yeah, there is, there is yeah. that. <laughs> oh man. I'm so sad that all these guys dropped out. Like, I wish they would just at least finish. Like it sucks because then they're going to be like, Oh, well, if I didn't have this injury issue, I would, you know, have done this or that. And it's like, well, actually you didn't finish. So I don't care. The dude who like had a terrible day and took forever to finish. Like he beat you and you cannot say anything in response to that. So totally. Um, That's two things I hate. I hate when people say like, Oh, this person, I mean, the biggest example is everyone's still saying, oh, Alistair Brownlee would have won this race if he hadn't dropped out. It's like, well, guess what? Uh, training and getting healthy to be on the start line is part of it. And, and he would admit that. Any athlete knows that if you overcook it to get on the start line, like that's just the price you pay, you know? And it's not who's better on paper. It's who, who executes on the day. And then uh, the other thing is Morgan, because people went back and sort of roasted him on his Strava. And already he said, like, he said, like, well, we'll see who care who cares about who in five years. And then he put like hashtag 70.3 worlds 2021. And I'm like, uh, okay, why don't you go qualify first? <laughs> oh my God. That, dude, dudes. Okay. The guys, let's just leave it. Like 2021, he didn't even finish his first one. And we're talking about like one of the toughest courses on the circuit. <laughs> where yeah. you've where you've biked really damn well before oh man i can't wait for that freaking race that's a side note but that is my jam i've, I've raced there twice i've always performed like as one of my best races of the year there so i'm really stoked for that one yeah but i think I everyone's everyone's feeling it too because everyone's like sweet not a flat course it's gonna be awesome and, yeah uh, <laughs> it's gonna be one of the best best 70.3 races i think it's just there's just no hiding in in any of the three especially because it's going to be a non-wetsuit swim in september yeah wow it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy um so yeah let's let's move on from the races themselves this year yeah and talk one, about... more note, one more note oh, okay cool, i, cool. I want to wish morgan all the best in itu racing uh, we're giving him a bad rap which he frankly he deserves for his lackluster performance but uh the dude's an incredible runner and and i hope he can go and represent usa well uh for the itu yeah the question uh, has huge potential there i think it was it seemed like some of it seemed like it got a little heated and some of it seemed like it was mostly friendly banter yeah totally i mean exactly and and me of probably all people it's like where's the line right how do you fit and in my opinion, he just crossed the line one time way, way, way too far. But the rest of it, I was like, this is all awesome, you know. Um, but you cross the line once way too far, and it's like, you got you to gotta then give it to that person. So, uh, which probably a lot of people feel I've crossed the line many times this year. Um, probably. But, but <laughs> at least you backed it up with results. So, speaking of – actually, not speaking of results anymore. Um, I agree with you, by the way. But – Aside from that, let's talk about PTO because here's 
like this crazy scenario that's happened where both the best thing for triathlon and the worst thing for the world in general happened in the same year. And I mean, the PTO has come like, think about what would have happened this year. If there was no PTO, no, no ranking payout early in the year, none of those PTO supported races, no challenge Daytona. Like we would have been, you know, that would have put me at two races for the year, two races. And then a bunch of virtual stuff that I did basically, which is, it's a, I don't consider it a race. I consider it fun, hard training that people get to watch. Um, so like, how have you felt the PTO has done in the last year compared to say your expectations overall? Yeah, totally. I mean, you put it in a phenomenal way. Like the PTO really sort of saved triathlon this year, I would say like, and saved saved pro triathletes, like without that world ranking payout and without putting on, on all the races they put, I mean, throughout the world, they must've put on a good at least what 20 races i would say um maybe more yeah and and they also then made triathletes relevant especially with challenge daytona it was like that basically kept the hype and that made triathlon interesting like oh we can talk about who's who going into this and blah 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 and so i think they've they've exceeded my expectations definitely on one hand like i went into the whole thing pretty skeptical because the communication was a bit lackluster it it and still now it sometimes feels like there's sort of like insider information. Like there's a select group of people that seem to get the information like two weeks ahead of everyone else, um, which I don't like, but especially early on that was the case. But uh, so I think when we critique it, it's just like in terms of uh, which they say it's our organization and how can we make our organization better? Right. Yeah. Um, but they've done, I mean, if we compare them to Ironman this year, they did, a whole lot better than Ironman, that's for sure, for, for professional triathletes and oh, yeah. even trade groupers. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I agree 100%. And uh, I think it's just going to keep getting better. And there's, you know, just because they've done great doesn't mean that we shouldn't say there's things they can improve. And I've been, I've been pretty, and so have you on your social media, been pretty vocal for a while now about how I think the, the score or the rank system needs to change completely. Um, and that, that it's more important than perhaps every, a lot of people realize, because this is how, you know, this is how we're valued as athletes. And this is how we determine where potentially sometimes where we're going to race and who qualifies for what, and who gets paid what, like, this is extremely important. Not only that, but for fans watching and people who want to follow the sport, they need to understand how the ranking system works to become a fan of the sport. Just like when you're watching a golf tournament, you know that the guy who wins gets this amount of points and, and will maybe move into first, or you can speculate on those things because you actually have a set system in place. Same with tennis or any other sport. Whereas in triathlon, you effectively, there's, there's no extra incentive to watch the racing or to follow the racing because of the point system, because nobody knows what's going to happen anyways. Um, so people still watch the races, but they're not going to watch because they want to see if Lionel's going to pass Sebastian on the point list, for example, um, or whatever. So I think that the point system definitely could change. And I think you've kind of expressed a similar opinion. What are your thoughts on the point system? And do you have ideas for what a new one might look like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think I think the point system 
really needs to change just the world ranking system in general. And, and exactly, I don't think people realize quite how important it's going to become in professionals lives. And, and the thing to remember is this, this point system was literally introduced at the start of 2020. Like we never knew how it worked before. And then it was like, Oh, all of a sudden these people are ranked and then they froze it in March. So now it's like, you didn't know how you were ranked, how, how to get ranked. Then they ranked us. Then they froze it in March. So then no matter what we did all year, we stayed the same. And then it's like, it's pretty good that like in the future, as the point system becomes more and more sort of standard, like that's going to affect who we consider the good athletes to be. And so I think it's important that we get it, get it right. And, and I just don't think it's that right right now. Yeah. Do you have any ideas of how you like, how you'd like to see ranked? I know I have ideas and Jack's been pretty vocal about it as well. Yeah. So here are, here are a few of my ideas. Um, number one, like uh, triathlon doesn't occur on a track and no course is the same. And I know they, so basically they think um, they, they say, Oh, each course has an ideal time. Um, and they determine that really, they only determine that based off what the previous times are and what the course records are on that course. And then they do a so-called theoretical adjusted time based off the conditions of the day. But let's remember like someone's doing this from their computer and they say, oh, well, the temperature was hotter and blah, blah, blah. But like that really doesn't account for it. Like I know for a fact I've gone out on my bike some days and it's like it can be 70 that day and 70 the next day and the air resistance or whatever. It's just less like yeah. it's a fast day, you know, and and everyone goes fast and then therefore everyone would get fast points on that day but uh it, it's also like what matters is winning not meeting some certain time like in this for example you can go and have a sprint and say you win you know the world title and beat somebody by six seconds like being able to get that extra sprint makes you the world champion but points wise those athletes would be literally exactly the same if it was an ironman race like because yeah. there's no difference in a six second win over eight hours. Like they would get literally exactly the same points. They would say that two athletes are exactly as good. And uh, I just think winning is what matters and that's what should be sort of uh, prioritized. And, and I'd like a system where, and all of us pros sort of do this in our own heads. Like, in, and you referred to this when you were talking about St. George, like we say like, oh, I've never beat this person before. So they're better than me. And oh, I've always beat this person. So I'm better than them. And we all literally have like a network in our minds of this. And like, I don't think it would be that hard to create an algorithm that would connect that, right? Okay, Jan's beat everyone. He's the best. Like these people have gotten beat by them. And it, I think it would be a bit more accurate. And then uh, rather than like having to race for, for time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear you. That's for sure. Um, along the lines of what we thought. And there's a few other things that don't sit well, like how only four of your races count, um, I think is in when they're counting races for up to, I think it's up to two years that the points count, maybe it's 18 months at, at the yeah. at the minimum. So in 18 months, like even the pros who don't race a lot are racing 10 times. So why are six races not counting? Like I get it that you don't want to count every single race that that makes no sense, but definitely more than four. I, I think, um, but I mean, those are kind of smaller things, but I hear you for sure. I don't think time should matter at all. I think there'd be an easy enough way to say that the wins worth this much seconds, this much thirds, this much all the way down to whatever. And then you can even 
adjust that slightly based on how many higher ranked people show up to the race. So the race is more or less competitive. It's worth less or more, but it's still based on your place, not your time. And then obviously a championship race is worth way more points. Like Kona has a set number of points and maybe it's worth a hundred for the win or something like that. Um, so everybody kind of knows what they're getting into and there's no big shocks. Um, and yeah, like the one year the course got shortened and they didn't account for that. And then everybody gets like, you know, the one year, I think it's at uh, Los Cabos 2018 or something or 2019, everybody who raced there, that's their highest points by like 20, <laughs> everybody who's in the top 10. Yeah. And it's yeah. just, I mean, they had to start somewhere. And I think this was pretty much the only place where they had a running total was in Thorson Rad's ratings. Yeah. But I don't, I think moving away from time is just a no brainer because guys, like Sam said, guys show up to beat the other guys that showed up and that's really all you can do on the day. And that yeah. should be all that matters. And I think it's incredible. It would be actually incredibly easy to rank races based on a prize purse and then championships. And then if PTO is doing their own series, you put even more emphasis on that. If they're doing like a, a stadium series or whatever they're doing right now. And yeah, and then you can rank all like the smaller pro races based on that prize purse. So if it's starting, maybe starting at like 15,000 or 20,000 prize purse, that's when the points start going. And then for anybody that's in the top 100, wherever they're ranked at when they show up to that race, that a percentage, certain percentage gets multiplied into the current point system. And I think that seems like a pretty easy yeah. way to do points. And then you guys, don't even need you know, a mathematician. Like literally anybody could come up with it. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Thorsten, I guess, uh, the one, like they, we didn't know these were going to be PTO points until like recently, but Thorsten had these like Collins cup points, they were called or something for years. Cause the Collins cup was supposedly going to happen. And remember how it used to be this big joke of the Collins cups, never going to be a thing. And why do they keep saying like, they try to set an event date and then it never happens. And that point system was kind of there and loosely everybody knew about it but nobody really cared until all of a sudden it's like all that matters and then it's like oh god i better get some some races in but it's kind of too late so <laughs> um, yeah exactly i mean yeah like i knew this point system existed but to be honest i had never once actually looked at it like to see who was ranked above who like i just didn't i couldn't have cared less and i mean here's a good example like at both chattanooga and st george where we raced yet I have no idea. Like I could not tell you anything close to the exact time. Either of those times were something under no. four hours. Yeah. I don't know. And I, it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and who cares? <laughs> what matters cares. is that, you know, in St. George, the way you it took me? out. It's, yeah. yeah. So Rudy Von Berg went off the front. The rest of us had a run battle and then that's where it played out. So two, three, four, five, six. We're all close. And exactly. we right. could have been four twenty or three forty, and who cares? <laughs> who cares? And, the other thing I think is if they decide to keep this point system, it's become pretty clear to me that it's biased against like more challenging courses. Yeah. Like it just does not seem to account for that increased difficulty properly of difficult courses other than maybe Kona. But that, I think that's more just, they go Kona, it's the world champs. Like we have to put the most points at Kona. I think that's like how they think about Kona, but other courses, yeah. if you go into a challenging course, I mean, Montreblanc for you, Jackson, is a pretty good example. That's I can't get over that freaking bullshit. <laughs> it's yeah. my best race ever, and it's like no, – I don't even think it's in my top four anymore. 
I think it's like my sixth best or something. Yeah. So it's just, it's just biased against challenging courses because it's like, it's built around like seeing sexy times and like, you're much better off if you want to do an Ironman going and doing a course that you can go sub eight rather than like a difficult course, because like Chattanooga, the bike course is four miles long. Okay. I think I went like 820, just under 820 or something like that sounds pretty pathetic for a pro Ironman win now, you know? So I think they just look at that and say, Oh, it, it can't possibly be that good. But like over 140 miles, the terrain can dictate, like I could easily come up with an Ironman course around here in Boulder that like the fastest anybody could possibly go would be like 11 hours. <laughs> yeah. And not to mention Chattanooga is in like the deep South pretty much of the States. And it's like a freaking sauna. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I think if they, because honestly, they're probably going to want to keep this uh, time-based system. Oh God, I hope like, not. That would I suck. think they are. I, so to me, it's like the question is almost how do you get them to modify the algorithm with, with the time-based system? Um, that sucks. Yeah, like it sucks because I think it's got to be about winning matters and especially even performing at the biggest races is what matters, you know? Like, I, I mean, it's almost like, in this system, say if you won 70.3 Worlds and Kona in one year, I think pretty much every single professional should agree that you should be the top-ranked person for that year. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It, but that could not be the case with their system yeah. at all. It's crazy. <laughs> um, I really hope you're wrong about them wanting to keep this point-based system. I do know that I haven't been too pleased on any time I have kind of like mentioned a change in the point system to anyone in the pto they've kind of defended it so yeah. like not like not like oh don't tell us that we're not changing it but it's been more like well i will tell you that if you think of the guys you think should be near the top and then you look at the point system that's who's there it's like well like i don't really care if that's the case like it needs to be very good this is our livelihoods and this is this is how we're you know our worth is de like how our our worth is determined in the sport so it needs to be better than just so basically what that's saying is it's as good as somebody just guessing which is like pathetic <laughs> that they're comparing it to that like it's it's pretty bad but um but you know what i do hope that they and i think the perfect time to change it would be now like we've had a year where they haven't counted any points so they can pretty much just reset it and yeah, exactly. it, nobody can complain because everyone didn't get their points counted anyways if they did race which is fair because some people couldn't really race and that's that so like time not to reset. only that but the closer you get to the top it the more it matters yeah right. so the the more this like crapshoot of what time you went in a race values or devalues your performance where For sure it's a big deal being between if you're fifth versus like eighth that's huge that's a big difference it's probably like 20 grand or something yeah yeah well and if you're if you're like sixth compared to first i think that's 60k in the world payout bonus and 60k in the collins cup if the if both happen in a regular year which they would so that's hundred and twenty thousand dollars for five places and five places could be separated by a matter of like you just don't even really know like you said it's guesswork okay is sixth actually better than first like maybe but it sort of depends on how you've done the races and whatever you know what i mean <laughs> yeah 
yeah, it's crazy. But we'll see what happens. Um, either way, we know you're going to be moving up the points as soon as they start counting races again because I think right now you're like 42 or something. 42nd, yeah, I'm 42nd. 42, yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, I actually almost like it because – it's actually going to be – I mean, I actually really don't like it, but it's going to be hilarious if they don't count races at all this year. And then if all next year they're going to be, like, saying, and Sam, the 42nd ranked pro, and I'm just going to, like, be like, wow, this just kind of proves how bad the system is. <laughs> There's a lot of guys who, like, improved a ton this year. Like, um, oh, what's his name? Tom Davis was ranked, like, 50-something, and wasn't he leading for a bit in the PTO champs? Uh, yeah exactly tom david yeah i mean even matt hansen is ranked like 18th and now i mean probably shouldn't be ranked 18th and and george goodwin i think was ranked 45th you know and it's like okay well he probably shouldn't be ranked 45th considering he was third like there's just the thing is you can come up with more examples that don't fit the algorithm than examples that do really and that's probably a probably an issue yeah Yep. Well, we'll see what they do because they're probably not going to pay out early in 2021. So they're going to want to get it right. They're going to want to have a full year of points counting. I'm a little concerned about what's going to happen with the Collins cup because now they've frozen the points for so long and people are just going to be qualifying based on two year old results. Yeah, Um, I know. That's the biggest thing I don't like. Like all the rankings are frozen and then it could just be tough because like, obviously and I personally don't actually really buy that nobody got the opportunity, like that it's not fair because you didn't get the opportunity to race. Like, I think everybody could race if they wanted to. Like, I mean, actually, Canadians probably had the hardest time racing of anybody. You guys had one race, the Canadian tribe champs that happened in Canada. And otherwise, if you wanted to race, you had to quarantine. Like, yeah, that's, that's tough. that's true actually it's a good point everybody else at least had one in their country or to a country where they wouldn't have to quarantine if they went home i mean i'm probably saying this and there's probably an example i'm not thinking of but i know new zealand had at least one if not two pto races they just had another another one this weekend they just had one this weekend and not only that but they had they had their two premier races before COVID even happened ironman new zealand yeah so they actually got their full season pretty much yeah like (laughs) And you look and how many professional triathletes from Canada raced? Almost all of you guys raced. So like, yeah, you guys found a way and in Europe had tons of races. I mean, Africa even had races. So it was like, I mean, you could say, oh, well, if you got injured, you didn't have a chance to race. Well, well that's any year. <laughs> that's any year. So that's not like, uh, I, I mean, I, I just think it's weird if you freeze the rankings and then you say, oh, we're deciding who goes to Collins Cup from the frozen rankings from 2018 and 2019. That could mean someone just had four really good races in 2018. That's what it like is. <laughs> fall off a cliff. They could be, yeah. like, terrible now. Yeah. But their r- results from 2018 got them in. So I think that's, like – Yeah. I mean, two years I get, but three years is then, like, with only four races would be, uh, I, I mean, basically guesswork. Yeah, it's it's a while, and uh, especially for those Ironman distance athletes, just one good result is so valuable in the points. It's it's a lot. Um, it seems almost impossible to get over about ninety points and a half. Like there's so few cases of it, and it's like you know, it's like world championship performance by like Von Berg for third or or better. That's what it takes to get ninety points. 
in a full, it doesn't seem to take quite as much, but they do try to push the full distance. Cause it's, it's the, you know, pinnacle of the sport. I do understand that. But at the same time, you're qualifying for races that are more in the shorter distance and people that are a full distance specialists are going to be less likely to perform if they're not as good at halves. Um, so I could see an argument there as well. Yeah, exactly. Like that will make things interesting if you get like a full distance. And the U.S. especially has a number of very, very good ranked full distance racers and, and mm-hmm. they deserve to be well ranked, but they often struggle a bit at the half distance, which will make things uh, a bit interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I interestingly enough, I almost would have put Matt Hansen in that category until this year, and then his he just freaking crushed. I mean, obviously he's won a lot of halves, but I would have said his fulls are even better. But now it's who knows because he just crushed the short distance racing. Yeah, I like. I wasn't really that worried about him at Daytona. I was basically saying like, oh, I'm a better half distance racer than him, and when I race him in an Ironman, he's a better full distance racer, and and we're both still close to each other, but that's the general norm. But now after this, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like- <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> I felt it coming in a way because I I could just feel like his biking was getting really strong and it just didn't quite show to where like I think it was about to because I've raced with him and it's been getting harder and harder. Like it used to be I would bury him on the bike and then it was like we're pretty close and then it's like, holy shit, it's getting hard for me to keep up with him. And then in this race, he just blew me, blew me away. And I'm like, geez, man, what this guy's so strong. It's amazing. But yeah. it's great to see the Americans coming through like the, like you on the young side. And then some of the veterans are obviously super strong. And then Matt Hansen to be getting better at 35, like ridiculous, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just about to mention that with the Collins cup, if it happened two years ago, the Americans would have gotten just wrecked. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. like the fact that it's been be getting pushed off is good because or getting pushed back has been good for you guys because I feel like you guys have a shot now. Yeah. I have always thought it's a bit funny that like they do it, that, that it's not like U S and Canada and then internationals and then Europe, because like, in my opinion, a Canadian has more in common with an American than an Australian or a South African, but uh... yeah. <laughs> well, it's, they just, they want, because America like Americans, you know, like America the Great and everybody wants to like push that. They just want to push that agenda. But in triathlon, it's it's not as much like that. Like Canadians, we love going down to the States because you guys actually have races and we make like great friends with the Americans. So yeah. it would have worked out pretty well. I think they, us probably, they, they probably should have done like Germany versus yeah. the rest the of world. the world <laughs> and versus US and Canada. Like that probably would have made it more fair. <laughs> like Honestly. Germany and Japan and Italy versus the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah oh god bad joke. Bad, joke. <laughs> bad joke okay do we have any i'm just um, trying to see if no but in, a, in all seriousness i think it's it's from a marketing perspective where they're trying to sell it especially to that u.s market where it's like versus the u.s and then the europeans can be like oh we're taking on the americans and then what's the other it's u.s the rest of the it's world u.s europe and, and international oh Okay, Europe and then the rest of the world. Yeah, Definitely. so I think it's, I mean, when like Eric said, a couple years ago, it would have been like, it was almost funny. It was like, okay, America, like this isn't even going to be close. And obviously Europe is a front runner. I would still say Europe's a front runner. 
And then I think America has got to be creeping up on like pretty competitive with the internationals. Cause you guys have just really excelled. And then on the women's side as well, um, it, it are just extremely strong. So I think it's going to be interesting, but we'll so, see what happens if the race even happens. If you had to go head to head with, or actually here's a better way of asking that. Who do you want to go head to head against in the Collins cup? Yeah, so I want to go I, – I think it should be Joe Skipper from the Internationals and Lionel Sanders from Canada. Just a battle of the beasts on the bike. Yeah, exactly. We'd all, we'd all dog paddle the swim, basically, and then, <laughs> and then the, the bike would be crazy. And then, yeah, I think it would just be exciting because we would all be close all day. Yeah, that'd be fun for sure. For you guys, that'd be really fun because then you don't feel like you're actually behind in the swim too. <laughs> right, exactly. Like it would, yeah, it would suck to race someone like who's just such an amazing, I mean, it wouldn't suck, but it would kind of be like the race would only get exciting towards the end, which especially for spectators would be like, especially someone who maybe doesn't know about triathlon, they'd turn it on and be like, oh, this race is over. And I, so it would maybe lose interest a bit. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? We know you you come back regardless of who you get paired with. So, um, yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, I uh, I'm just really not in a position to qualify yet. I mean, you technically aren't, I think. But like, as soon as they start giving points, or even once I get PT, PTO uh, championship points posted, because right. they said they're going to give points for that. Yeah, um, you should get a lot for that. So, I think you'll be in there. But it's tough being in the international. It's like, oh my god, look at the guys I have to pass. So. Probably not a 2021 project for me, but I'll be doing everything yeah, I can totally. to get in there. It's, 22. Yeah, the internationals, it's definitely tough to, to qualify. I mean, it's also interesting because it seems like there's a little bit of like a battle going on, which obviously there is a battle between Ironman and PTO, but it seems like right now, like with the schedule we have from Ironman, like North American champs is the same day. And like, there's a whole bunch of like good Ironmans with really good prize purses, like within a week or two of that race and it's like oh, wait. so north american chance is the same day as collins cup yep oh that's good for me <laughs> oh, thank you. Iron, man, iron man champs are you doing an iron man next year oh iron man no i thought yeah. you meant 70.3 champs oh yeah 70.3 chances like three weeks before so it's actually okay. a decent date but it's still like yeah i mean we'll see when what the rest of the schedule is but i'm almost worried iron man's gonna put like a whole bunch of iron man's right around them and then there's gonna be like a big dry spell so you sort of have to say like oh my that's what it is every year it's like freaking more races than you can do in the spring and then nothing from july august (laughs) yeah exactly i know it is weird like especially yeah like the last two weeks of june you've got like five or six 70.3s to choose from Mm -hmm. and then you can't race a 70.3 for like a month It's crazy. Yeah. And every, every year I'm like, should I race four weeks in a row? I'm not really sure. And then I, I, I pack like three into four weeks and then there's always one that I'm like, I just shouldn't have done that one. <laughs> uh, but I got to go back to Montreal for sure. Try to defend that. Um, yeah, totally. But yeah, I mean, I think we've, Garrick, do we have any questions that have come in? Yeah. So we have a couple. So we posed about 20 minutes ago, we posted on our, our Instagram for any questions hoping that they would just be brutally honest questions we have a couple uh go from go from like go from least um controversial slash exciting or like most tame to least tame right okay well we literally have uh two 
Okay, so that's so, easy to rank that. And then, and then we have one that came through over. A surprise text. guest. They've got a yeah. surprise guest question. <laughs> yeah, they came over over text. Came through over text, but so let's start with Instagram. Um, is yo still a word people say? I thought we stopped saying that in two thousand and six. I I mean, yeah, I tend to be about twelve years behind the general media so <laughs> I, I i have no answer for that but it's it's just how i roll hey here's my theory i thought he was gonna say because he's so young compared to most of the field it's actually come around again and we just don't know about it and sam has brought it back right. from the young from the it young crowd be. it could be rolling around tiktok right now and just nobody else knows but sam does because he's so young <laughs> he's like a year younger than garrick i think <laughs> I'm not even on TikTok. <laughs> All um, right. Is there anyone cooler, or do you think that there's anyone that's cooler than you in the triathlon world? Oh. So I don't know what he's trying to get at. I feel like there's like an undertone of something there, but I I, I feel like he just wants me to. He's probably a Lionel Sanders fan. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> Lionel Sanders must be the coolest person of all time. <laughs> Lionel Sanders. Wow. It's funny you say Lionel Sanders because we have a special question from Lionel Sanders. The question from him is, will we be doing the Mount Lemon head-to-head competition as draft legal or non-drafting? Uh, I'd like to do it as draft legal. Oh, that's not what I expected. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, I think there's a, f- a few good reasons for that. Um, one, I think it would be way more, ex- like, it would just be more exciting. Um, and, and then you could, like, live stream it in a much better way or whatever, get Talbot and Kenny to film it in a better way. Um, and two, I think we would have a much better chance of, like, setting a really phenomenal time doing that. That would be um, sick. Or would it be tactical? Would it be complete, like, bonkers surges and sitting up and – you know, crazy well, attacks. That, brings, that brings me to number three is that I think uh, what Lionel lacks is tactical savviness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think he would. Here, here's my prediction. It's going to be draft legal and he's just going to ride 400 and whatever exact Watts or 380 or whatever he does the whole time. doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, if I, to be honest, if I did it with him and it was draft legal, I would probably say, like, hey, let's switch off every two or three minutes, say, and we basically each just set that hard of a pull. And, you know, eventually if someone feels like they got to fall off, like that's what happens. And you say that and then you try and put in one super pull and you set up the other person to like, like you would still, you would still figure out who the best person is, especially because like, even if you draft there, it's not like you're saving 20%. You might save like, it's mostly just mental that you save. Um, yeah. What's the average speed when you do that? Kale? I, I want to say it's like 17.6. Miles an hour? Miles an hour, yeah. So about 28K. There's still a pretty good draft at that speed. Like, it depends because there's the parts where you like it's flatter and you're getting a huge draft and then obviously the steep parts you wouldn't. But what I would love to see is like checkpoints along the way, like certain landmarks where it's like, you uh, it's almost like match play like it's whoever gets the most banners and then the last one's worth two or three or something so you guys have to like race each other all, all the way up right That'd be fun. Oh, that, yeah i mean non-draft legal would be 
would be pretty cool as well. Um, you'd have to draw straws and then see who would go, who would start first. Cause starting second, I think would be a huge advantage for, with that, especially if it was only like 30 seconds or something. Cause you'd be able to watch them the whole way. Yeah. Here's what I would like to see is you guys do that switching off thing, but you send Talbot out a half hour before <laughs> yeah, and see if you or an hour before and then see if you can catch him. <laughs> Calculate his slowness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, all right. Is that's it for questions, Sam? Is there anything you got going on for 2021? That's exciting that you want to talk about. I know you've really stepped into your YouTube channel. Um, is there anything big planned there? Or do you just want to talk about how awesome that is so people go watch it? Yeah, so the YouTube's been like a really awesome platform. Um, I was super skeptical, like, oh, what's the point? There's already so many social media de demands. But uh, I think it really allows me to like show who I actually am in a long format. Like, I've gotten pretty frustrated with Instagram. Like you get, cause I've just noticed like if I basically write, I don't know the exact number of words, but if it's like basically more than like three lines, unless if it's like right after a race, like people aren't reading that. So it's hard to say like, this is who I am. And this is what I care about with just three lines once a day at mm -hmm. the most, like, and then YouTube, like you can really just sort of dive into like long formats and show cool things. And, um, and mine's kind of all, I guess it's mostly like two different things. It's, I heavily do it like around races. So like usually one leading into a race, like this is my training, this is my mindset and then a race report. And then the other thing is like, yeah, when I go after KOMs or do Epic or maybe dumb, stu dumb stuff and, yeah. and then I kind of make a video about that. Nice. Yeah, I think that's actually true. Cause I used to follow you on Instagram, especially when you were doing the whole Mount Lemon thing at the start. Uh, against Lionel in, in in the winter and I was like man this guy is a dick <laughs> <laughs> who is this guy and, yeah. then, and then you had your YouTube out and I think I was one of the OG subscribers kind of when you started making like content because I'm a YouTube nerd and you would say like funny things and be kind of eccentric and then then you'd say these things are just like absolute strokes of brilliance <laughs> right. Yeah. And this might sound kind of crazy, but I've always been sort of this way where it's like my Instagram sort of like half of it. I'm saying like 80% like joking. And it's just like almost targeting the mundaneness of life and the slayishness. And then sometimes I try and say something like profound on Instagram. But the problem is nobody knows when I'm serious or not. So people are like, this guy's just a fucking dick and full of himself <laughs> and has no idea what he's do what he's doing. Like, and he comes off in different ways. Um, and, and then I think with the YouTube, it's like you sort of get a C because usually when I'm saying something joking, I'm saying it with a smile and I'm laughing and you can usually tell I'm joking. And then, so it's just been the best way to sort of say, this is who I actually am. And I think like you and a lot of other people have been like, oh, I actually can get behind this guy. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm the same way, but I'm absolutely hilarious and it can come off. <laughs> <laughs> They come off a little, you know, off-putting to some people. And then when they realize that I'm, I am just absolutely hilarious uh, and I'm actually a genius that I'm a little lot better. Well, I've always thought like, oh, you need to put a disclaimer at the end of every Instagram post. Like, 
please don't interpret this word as meaning this and this word as meaning this. And oh, by the way, this post is joking, but it would kind of like defeat the purpose. <laughs> yeah, have that like trigger warning before. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's 2020. You need the trigger warning. On the <laughs> warning, this is going to be freaking hilarious. If you don't have a sense of humor, go to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, what are your, okay. The only last question I have is what is your, like, do you have any specific goals for 2021? I know we don't really even know the race schedule, so kind of hard. Um, but what would you say, like, obviously Kona is, probably pretty big but how are you ranking that in terms of compared to like collins cup or some of these other pto championship races or other races yeah totally so i mean first off the biggest 2021 goal is like it's a process goal and it's it's work on my swim um and i think especially like it's it it's just a mixed sword because at regular races like my swim is not a limit like i can still win basically any race except for a world championships race with the swim. But then you go to like Daytona and you're back so much and everyone's working together on the bike. And it's like, I mean, if you don't get that swim better, like you're probably, if I don't get the swim better, I'm very likely to never win a world championships event. It's just too hard. Um, and so I just really want to work on that swim. Um, like even for myself and like, biking and running they've always come along well and so it's like this big mental like bearer as well it's like oh I have to do something and, I, and I've got all this self-doubt with it at times so it's like it's not only a physical challenge but it's like a mental thing of like getting myself changing that mindset of like I suck at swimming to like being oh I can be a swimmer and um, so I think that's really the most formidable challenge uh, for 2021 and 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 maybe I don't do it in 2021 so it's the most formidable challenge for my career right now and then, yeah, like, I guess two big goals. I think it's pretty exciting that St. George and Kona, like, they're three weeks apart. So that's, like, a pretty awesome sort of block right there. So I'm really going to focus on that, both of those. And, I mean, I, I want to say I can be top ten at both of those, which would be which would be tremendous. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's like I'm also aware, and I'll, I'll put a lot of marbles into, the, into Kona, that sometimes you still might go as – being my first time and I might have a terrible race and and that's just life man St. George I honestly I think you got to set your freaking sights for like podium because that is that's a chance right there where yeah there's going to be groups on the bike but you got to be a strong biker to get up those freaking hills with the group and there's going to be guys getting dropped and you're going to be moving up um so yeah I mean plus it's I guess yeah it's a non-wetsuit swim which could be tough but if there's ever a course where a a weaker swimmer could win or get a, a podium. That it's that it's 100% that course. I know I'm like so excited for St. George and, and not only that, but yeah, like it's really hard to ride in a group on, I mean, cause I've done the race like four times and you ride with other people and it's like, you end up having to surge and then you're on the brakes on the downhills. It's almost like you're better off just riding on your own. Yeah. And then anytime, if you over bike on that course, like, your race is pretty much oh, over. I it's mean, the, the freaking the, razor's edge on that yeah, thing. Like, and not only that, but it's going to be way hotter in September than in May. Like it's going to, Oh yeah. Like, cause I've gone there in September. Like the average temp is like, usually like in Celsius, I, I would say about 33 to 35 in September. Like it is, it is almost, it's like Kona hot. I mean, yeah. Just about which, I, which I'm looking forward to because it's like, that's just another thing. That's like, Oh, if you're not, 
that makes like a bike uh, runner able to do it, right? Because the swim is going to become less important there compared to a regular world champs. Yeah. Are you going to do the 70.3 there as well? Or I'm sorry, the North American champs or just the world's? Yeah, yeah, I'll do both. How about you? Yeah, yeah. I just I'll love do both. Of the course, I mean, yeah, same. Man, I know we're we told you like forty minutes, and it's been over an hour, so we're going over time here. <laughs> no, but... it hasn't. Yeah, it has. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about Gustav Eating doing his Ironman debut in Kona after the Olympics? Well, I think the question that's still unanswered is if he's also going to do seventy point three worlds, which would be absolutely insane. I mean. Can you imagine he I'm does sure all he three and wins all three? That would be like, that would be the greatest thing ever in performance in triathlon, I think. Yeah, I mean, it'd be the greatest thing of all time. But sadly for me, it would be like, this guy is beyond good. I better quit the sport. Like, would, <laughs> I'd be like stoked for him, but I'd literally be like, because he's, he's 25. I mean, it's like, the dude's going to be around forever. And it's like. Yeah, how do you think everybody else feels about you? <laughs> you're like the youngest fucking guy on the thing and you're still like better it's like oh man it's tough i think i mean in my opinion gustav should do the olympics and and actually no i'm not gonna say that i hope he doesn't do 70.3 worlds (laughs) i hope he goes and tries to do kona because i think that's i mean you want to you want to see Jan try and do the Olymp and alistair brownley's gonna try and do the same thing the olympics and then kona like the, the training demands are just so polar opposite i think uh yeah that's tough yeah but i mean yeah i shouldn't say anything he'll probably come out and and do really well yeah it'll be it'll definitely be an interesting year and hopefully all the racing goes forward yeah i mean we're just going into shutdown freaking lockdown here in ontario so um jack just got home and they announced lockdown and jack booked a flight to utah (laughs) (laughs) yep Get the hell out of here. <laughs> oh, are you really? You're actually you're, you're going back to St. George. Oh, yeah. Like, full lockdown. Like, no pools are going to be open for four weeks. Oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I just it just took two weeks where I had to quarantine. I couldn't swim. So, yeah. like, what, what do you just not swim for six and a half, seven weeks? Like, that's pretty bad. Especially, I mean, I maybe have less way to go than you, but I still am hell of a lot not not where I need to be on the swim. Uh, yeah, you just need don't to be want to let that happen. So. <laughs> It's it'd be so stressful just every single day not swimming when and there's there's a freaking beautiful pool literally 400 meters from my house and I could like go there and like look through the window of this empty 50 meter pool and be like this is the this is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I've never gotten why pools really have to shut. Like it's it's a chlorine vat. It's pretty safe. Like it's I mean, designed for social distancing and you have yeah. roped off lanes. <laughs> yeah. Like pools are what people should be doing. But anyways, yeah, yeah. I know it's going to be, I don't think we'll like, I'm not count. I'm, I'm sure as heck not counting on Oceanside happening. I'd love to do the race, but I'm like, I give that thing like 20% chance of happening. Oh, especially like, in California. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just, it's just not going to happen in, in March. It's in March. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Jack, first thing he said when he came back, he was like, man, if I'm going to beat Sam, I got to swim faster. <laughs> and then uh, he booked it really uh, so but uh we want to thank you man for coming on the podcast it was a pleasure we don't want to take up too much of your time and we have our own you. our time matters too yeah well yeah yeah jackson's already late to a dinner date yeah i mean i'm, I'm <laughs> he's I in quarantine 
he tested negative for COVID like a week ago, and he's still in quarantine. That's how yeah. our government works. Extra safe. Well, I know my <laughs> my my girlfriend. My girlfriend is Canadian, and she's like, I finally got clearance to go with the Canadian government, and she's like come up to Canada. And I'm like, well, I have to quarantine for two weeks and then the pools are probably going to be shut down. And then, Oh, by the way, it's light like two hours of the day in Canada in the winter. I'm like, <laughs> where is, where is she? She's in Kelowna, British Columbia. Oh, BC. Yeah. If she was in Alberta. She could, if she took the test, she wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to quarantine if you took the test. Yeah. yeah if you go into Calgary, yeah. so you guys could have a little date in Calgary for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I know. We're working on that. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> I know. Canada, Canada's been a bit of a headache recently. <laughs> no kidding. Recently. No kidding. <laughs> like that for 25 years. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, guys. Uh, we got to let yeah. you go. Thanks so much, dude. It's been awesome. I can't wait to see you on the race course again in 2021. And uh, I promise to give you a little bit of a better run in 2021 than I did this year. So watch out for that. Yeah, yeah me too. Uh, <laughs> I'm counting on it. I know it'll happen. So, well, hopefully, I get to actually meet you one of these days, and I get to actually race. So, give us a yo yo yo. All right, yo yo yo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you. Later. There you have it. That's the interview with Sam Long, a long anticipated one from the three of us, and we're really glad that we got to have him on, and we're gonna have him on again, of course. Probably next time he wins a race or something, if we can sneak in there ahead of all the rest of his requests. Um, but yeah, I just, I freaking love talking to the guy and I think he shows so much respect for his fellow athletes and that's what makes it so cool to actually talk to him. Um, you know, as an athlete, like he just gives, you know, he gives me so much credit and respect when he could have easily just uh, like yeah. dumped on me and been like, yeah, well, I beat you every time. So I don't think you're a threat anymore, which is possibly what he's actually thinking. Who knows? But doesn't say it so that class yeah exactly um yeah so any thoughts on that further boys garrick since you uh were there at least uh honestly don't remember a lot about the interview he was hammered at the time so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh not a good time talking to sam i think man every time we have this idea of someone and we think their personality is this way we bring them on the podcast and they, they turn out to be just like good, genuine people. I think pretty much the only person whose illusion hasn't been shattered is Cam Worth because he hasn't come on here yet. So I still think he's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And Josh Amberger. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had fun talking to Sam. And yeah, like you said, man, he has a lot of respect for all his competitors. He even followed me on Instagram after this. You know, sometimes though, this guy... He says dumb shit, but when you watch him on YouTube, there's times where he just has these absolute strokes of brilliance. And I know I said that in the interview, but I really want to hammer it home, man. He says some really smart stuff. His video before P- before the PTO champs just gave you a really idea, a really good idea of like where his mindset was and how he was ready to race. And I think it really showed in his performance. Obviously, he faded a bit in that race, but man, he came eighth. I don't think there are a lot of people putting claim up. Oh, ninth yeah well someone might get popped for doping (laughs) he came he came nine like he cracked that top 10 yeah i don't know how many people put him in like nobody had them in the nobody had him in their top five for sure i did if you look at my bracket that i gambled on in vegas okay (laughs) but that's probably just odds (laughs) yeah 
I actually did think he was going to be top 10 just because I'd seen, I think probably more of his competitors would have picked top 10 for him than like fans because people can kind of justify away things like, Oh, well maybe, you know, he just destroyed them. Cause they all had a bad day. It's like, no, when you're there and you're having a good day on the bike in freaking Cozumel and he just destroys you like he did to Nick and I, <laughs> you know, that he's ready to freaking destroy. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> no questions. Um, so that was Sam. Now we really want you guys, as we mentioned in the intro, we're going to be bringing out some really awesome content starting in the new year. So we want you to pay attention to the Real Triathlon Squad slash Real Triathlon Podcast Instagram. Um, there's also going to be some YouTube content coming out. Pay attention to our personal channels because we'll be uh, giving that announcement out soon. And it's going to be pretty awesome. We're all going to be together and doing some fun stuff coming soon. So, And I just decided just now we're going to come out with the 12 looks of laundry. And it's going to be a calendar. <laughs> every every month is going to have a different look. We're going to go face? with Magnum. Yeah, we're going to have the, the Fu Manchu. We'll have even oh, the face. Oh, you you're making me shave differently. No, no, yeah. I mean, you've got to really get into this calendar idea I've got. We're going to put you on there. And we're going to 12, 12 months of pure. What about okay. the twelve? Okay. What about the twelve body health pictures of Nick Nick Chase? Oh uh, yes, the, that's a real calendar that people want to see. I think see. I, I pulled an ab muscle flexing so hard for that picture. <laughs> <laughs> he tore him also because now he has a, a seven pack instead of a six pack. <laughs> no, no, it's even better because I pulled a muscle and then it kind of like got inflamed, so it looks like a whole new ab. So it's like <laughs> thirteen and a half or wow. four. <laughs> I've already decided I'm going to buy one of those uh, t-shirts that has the abs on it. <laughs> all my content from now on. Ooh, cool, cool thing I saw. There was a mask and it basically had like a photo of the bottom of the guy's face on the mask. And I was like, this is perfect. I wish he was like, you know, sticking his tongue out or something like that. I, you know, that's the problem with masks. You never know who's really under there. You never really met them until you're maskless. So well, there's also masks that are see-through. What? Yeah. Well, those are like clear breathing. All the saliva gets stuck on it. Those are gross. <laughs> That's no, like, I think no, my face is covered. My, you can't say anything. My face is covered. No, I'm pretty sure. Look it up. There's like a legit mask that actually works. That is somehow like you can see your lower part of your face. It might just be like a face shield thing at the bottom instead of. Or I've seen it where it comes like it, it basically attaches like a bumper at the chin and then it goes up and it kind of like shields the nose and mouth. But usually you wear that over for double protection, just like you oh, did. Yeah. My sister had my sister had one of those, and she's like, "Oh, it's because of my mask knee, mask knee." And I'm like, "That thing is like a bowl of germs. It's <laughs> <laughs> like going into it." Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Anyways, 2021 for our particular purposes are going to be so good, and I have had so many sleepless nights in early mornings trying to iron out what's to come. And I know I've been stressing you guys out too, so thank you for. Sticking with me. Anyways. All right, bud. Let's we forgive on. you for, for setting everything up for us. Yeah, we forgive <laughs> you for doing all the framework and, you know, pulling all the strings and forcing <laughs> us to, to be productive. We forgive you. Well, on that bombshell, let's roll into the holidays. It's Christmas is Eve is tomorrow. We're going to be merry. And I'm already drinking a beer at 430. Nice. You guys got any nice. plans for this this Christmas? Special plans? uh just you know keeping it small and within the 
rules. We all quarantined here so we can actually see our family and they all quarantine. So that's the extent that you have to go to here now. So that's what we're doing, but it's worth it to see, see family. Cause it'll be the last time for a while. Um, then we're going into lockdown. What are you Garrett? What are you doing? Um, well tonight, so Morgan and I are having our Christmas dinner tonight. She's at work. Uh, you know, she's a nurse holding the front line. Uh, so I am, I told her I would cook us a Christmas dinner because we're going to quarantine tomorrow in Canada but what she doesn't know is I actually just ordered it from Bob Evans. And I'm just going to say DiGiorno. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but pretty excited for that. Nick, I know you're in Southern Florida. Yeah, I'm in St. Pete where I used to live for 13 years. And Garrick, I'm from Michigan. And you know what? You call Bob Evans Bevins, okay? You don't oh, call it Bob Evans. I didn't know that. That's the Michigan slang. I'm going to have to use that. That's why yeah. nobody in your program has been talking to you because you've been saying it wrong and they have no idea. Man, when they announced hockey was back and I like put it in the group, I was like, yeah. One other guy was like, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, What's hockey? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And in, that's Michigan. It's like the biggest hockey state, except for maybe North Dakota. <laughs> yeah. Well, no one cares about hockey, so let's end this up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's end it. Go Leafs. All right, boys. Until next time. Peace. Out. And Merry freaking Christmas. Out. I got ish to do. Flying through the sky in my parachute. Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise. On a one-man mission trying to see it through.